Luke 23:26 to 38. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who is from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put a cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless. The wombs have not bore a child, and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? <clears throat> Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. And when they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they not know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. Thank you, Nathan. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Thirty years and a little bit, Jesus walked this earth. He lived among us. He, he became human. He spent time with men his own age. He, he had a, a family. And at the end, he sums up the reality of the human condition. He says, they don't know what they're doing. I think this is really true of us. We don't know what we're doing, people. And so this morning, as, as we study through the words of Christ, as we, as we look at the things that Jesus said when he was on the cross, last week we, we looked at this, this uh, passage uh, that said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, right? And, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, except Pastor Jim quoted the one in Mark, which says Eli, Eli. Sorry, I got it wrong, but that's okay. Um, so, it, you know, we, we looked at this passage and, and this, this depth of what it is that, you know, it was for, for Christ to be crucified for us, to be forsaken for us. And this morning we want to look at, at this passage. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we, we come before you now. And God, I, I admit before you, I don't know what I'm doing. I have, I have prepared this week. And God, I, I pray that you have prepared all our hearts this week. But God, I don't know what you're going to do now, today. But I pray that it would be impactful for each of us. That you would work in our hearts, work in our minds. Show us what it is that you have for us. God, we are your people. And we come before you now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So whenever I, I come to a, a piece of, of scripture that we're, we're studying and looking at, one of the, the tasks is always to look at the context. And it's always a tricky thing because I never know how much of a context to give. I mean, this is the context, but uh, that, that would be uh, too much to, to put into one sermon. So, so where do I start and where do I end when I'm looking at the context of a passage. And so when I was, I was looking at this, uh, I kept being drawn back to this picture of Jesus walking along the road and, and Simon uh, takes the cross and begins to carry it for him. And, and then there's these women that they're, they're weeping. And he says to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. He's on his way to the cross. He's, he's been beaten. He's been mistreated. He's so exhausted he can't carry the cross and someone else has to do it. And that's not something they gave over easily, um, right? Like they wanted the those who are walking to their crucifixion to suffer as much as possible. He must have been so at the end of his rope, they're like, okay, we, he can't do it anymore. We have to give this to somebody else. And that's the place where Jesus is at. And there's, there's women who are crying. <laughs> he takes what little energy he must have and stops and turns to them and says, don't cry for me. The other focus of Christ is amazing. The otherness that he is always looking to, not to himself, not to his own needs, not saying thank you for, for mourning with me. This is hard. But he recognizes the deeper need of the people of Israel. And then he's on the cross. And what does he say? Father, forgive them. I'm not sure because in, in the accounts of, of Christ, there's, it, we never have this, this passage here, Father, forgive them, or, and the other passage, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They're not ever in the same gospel. And so I'm not sure which one he says first. 
if, you know, did he first, you know, respond about others and, and then talk to God? Or even when he feels that God has forsaken him, calls out to him on our behalf. So I'm not really sure if it matters which is first. Because the significance is that he is thinking about us. We, we see this throughout his life, that he is always thinking about others. He says, let the children come to me when the disciples thought it would be a bother. When he was exhausted after his cousin had been, he'd been killed and he had tried to run away, he fed the 5,000 and he healed many. Many times when he could have taken time for himself, he gave it for others. And he does that again here. And he says that we don't know what we're doing. I think this is true of, of me. In many times in my life, I've, I've found myself not knowing what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but I, I can imagine that there's been a time or two in your life that if you were to reflect back on, you could think of, of moments when you didn't know what you were doing. We don't like to admit it, though. At least I don't like to. And immediately when I think of this, I think of one story in particular in my life. I had uh, been working as a lot guy at a car lot. And so my job was mostly to, to wash uh, customers' vehicles and the vehicles on the lot, uh, to, to sweep up, uh, occasionally move vehicles around. But one rainy day, all the, the mechanics were, were busy and, and whatnot, and uh, a car needed jump-starting. And so they, they said to me, Wayland, can you go jump that vehicle? And I thought to myself, I think so. And so um, I went and uh, I went and talked to the guys in the mechanics bay, and they're like, "Yep, the the battery uh, kit is over there. Just grab it and go jump the vehicle." So I did that. I grabbed it, I went out and uh, popped the hood, you know, done it with my dad, I don't know how many times before this, you know, but never done it with a charger, and so I, I grabbed the thing and I'm staring at the battery, and I'm staring at the ends, and I know the customer and the salesman are inside staring through the rain, so they can't totally make out what I'm, I'm doing, but I know they're there watching me to some degree. And I put these things on, and I'm like, I hope this is right. I hop in the vehicle, and I turn over the ignition. Nothing happens. Makes a, you know, click, click, and then it doesn't even do that. And I'm like, all right, that's probably not good. So, 
At this point, wisdom would tell you, you need to, to go and figure out what you're doing. I didn't have that wisdom. There was another, I think I, I'm trying to remember the story, it's been a while. There was another vehicle um, that was also dead, that also, that was the same vehicle, and so I went over to that one and went to, to jumpstart that one. This time the wipers did something extremely odd. They started going crazy and then everything stopped. So if you know more about vehicles than I do, you may have known what I, I, I did at this point. Apparently I fried the computer in not one, but two brand new vehicles, costing the company a few thousand dollars. I didn't know what I was doing. It wasn't uh, long after that that I was invited into the manager's office. And I no longer worked for Nissan. Jesus says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And it's, it's interesting because we're not given exactly who the they are. Is he, is he talking about the, the people who are looking around? Is he talking about the, the guards who, who, are, who are there, who, who crucified him? It's, it's not specific as to who it is. And I think that's good because it means it can be applied generally, right? Because if he's saying they didn't know what they were doing, well, okay, maybe the Roman soldiers didn't know they were crucifying Jesus. But when they mocked him, they knew they were mocking a man who was being put to death. And nowhere... I am certain was it demanded that they mock them. Certainly they was their job to go through and crucify this person. But they didn't have to mock him. That they did free willingly. The same can be said for others involved in this story. For for Pilate, he didn't have to send Jesus to the cross, but he did. The crowds didn't have to cheer for his execution, but they did. And yet, I don't think any of them knew what they were doing. Did they know that they were crucifying the Lord, that they were crucifying God, that they were mocking him, insulting him, sending him to his death. And do we recognize our part that we have sent him to his death? Do we realize that our sin is upon him? 
that it caused him pain and anguish. That it made him suffer. Do we fully recognize what it would have been for God to take our sins upon himself? I don't think we can fully know. And so in our sins, I I don't think we fully know what we're doing. We may recognize that what we're doing is wrong, and so we shouldn't do it. But I don't think we fully know. The good thing is, Jesus is offering forgiveness. In his suffering, he offers forgiveness. He calls out to God on our behalf for forgiveness. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Without us asking, This is something Jesus does. It's a practice of his. He offers forgiveness to those who don't ask for it. The woman, you know, caught in adultery, says, go and sin no more. He's offering forgiveness. She never said, forgive me. The story of the paralyzed man Right? He's lying on a mat and his friends come and they pick up the mat and they carry it towards Jesus, but they can't get in. So what do they do? They go up on the roof, they tear a hole in the roof and they let him down. And Jesus sees this man and what does he say to him? He says, your sins are forgiven. He, he never asked for that. It's not what he said. The The guys up top, they didn't say, please, Jesus, forgive his sins. That wasn't the request. And Jesus says, which is easier, right? To say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. But so you know that the Son of Man has the ability to forgive sins. I say to you, get up and walk. And he does and he leaves joyfully. And the reason Jesus says that is because he knows the hearts of the Pharisees who are saying, Who is this man who thinks he can first give sins? Well, he's he's Jesus. That's who he is. And and so he can. But something I caught this time when I was looking at it is, wait a second, Jesus knew the hearts of the Pharisees. And if he knows the hearts of the Pharisees, what they're thinking, how much more does he know the hearts of the humble who have come before him? This paralyzed man after it has been said your sins are forgiven do we hear him go wait Jesus Um, I'm actually good there I just need my legs to work it's not what he says he sits there lies there his friends they don't say anything either they recognize that the deeper need they have is for the forgiveness of their sins. Because if they hadn't, Jesus probably would have addressed it.
the, the question the question I have is can we receive this forgiveness this unasked for forgiveness are we able to to receive it have you ever had someone come up to you or maybe in the middle of a conversation even just sort of pop out with the statement you know I just wanted to let you know I forgive you and you're sitting there going I have no idea what you're talking about this unasked for forgiveness and if you're maybe like me, maybe you're not, maybe, you know, you're not. But sometimes when someone would say that to me, it's okay, I forgive you. I go, forgive me for what? What do you think I did? I, I want to know. What is this thing that I've done that I've so offended you that you have to come and forgive me? I forgive you for forgiving me. And we can get so worked up about it and, and frustrated. We take offense at forgiveness. Man, I don't want to be like that. If you forgive me, great. <laughs> Thank you. Because I'm sure I've offended you at some point. So if you forgive me, thank you, and I hope we're good. And Jesus, he wants to say to us, I forgive you. And trust me, we've offended him at some point. There's, there's a few different types of sin that I think we come before God with that, that need to be dealt with. We're talking about spiritual disciplines right now in youth. And as I was making my list of spiritual disciplines, I realized there's one that we don't practice very well. You know, we, we keep it, you know, private and to ourselves and occasionally mutter a few words, but the spiritual discipline of confession is not something we do really well. But we need to confess. A spiritual discipline is this, just to make sure we all are, are clear. It is something that draws us closer to God. It is an action, not just an attitude. It is something we do. And it's something that we find in Scripture. If you look at confession, it is something we find in Scripture. It is something that draws us so much closer to God. And it is an action, not just an attitude. It's something we need to do. And so, there are a few ways that I think uh, we need to, to come before Christ for forgiveness. One of those ways is unrecognized sin in our lives. Sometimes we don't know what we're doing and we've, we've done something. It happens. We've offended someone without knowing it, perhaps even God. And we haven't recognized that in our life and we haven't spent the time examining ourselves. 
to know that God wants us to, to come before him and say, Father, forgive me. There's also unsurrendered sin. The sin that we know we have done. But haven't been able to give over to God. That thing that we've just held on to and say, God, I just, I just can't. So we need to come and bring those things before Christ and ask for his forgiveness. There's also unaccepted forgiveness. Christ extends forgiveness to all of us, but sometimes in our lives, it's hard to receive that forgiveness. And this in itself is a sin. Because what we are saying is that what Christ did on that cross is not big enough or good enough to take care of what we've done. Now, if when I say that, you feel condemnation, you feel a, a pull away from what I'm talking about, from seeking forgiveness, let me tell you, that is not of God. That is of the enemy. God always wants to pull us in and draw us near. He convicts, he does not condemn So if you feel a stirring in your heart that there is something you need to deal with, that's of the Spirit. If it draws you in to him to seek forgiveness, to confess before God. In the Lord's Prayer, it says that we ask for forgiveness as we also forgive others. So the final type of, of sin, this unforgiveness that I want to talk about is, is the unextended forgiveness. When we have failed to extend forgiveness to others. It isn't something that just Christ did on the cross. When he called out, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That isn't just something Christ should do. It's something we need to to practice in our own lives. Stephen, as he was being stoned to death, calls out to God for them to be forgiven. Luke is very intentional in that mirroring of Christ and his followers. He shows a picture of Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. And then in his book of Acts, he shows us Stephen. So we need to be like Christ. I mean, this is nothing new to us. We call ourselves Christians, little Christs. And so in this, we need to be like Christ too. Perhaps there is someone in your life that you need to extend forgiveness to. Perhaps you've harbored resentment for a long time. 
and so it's hard. But it will draw you closer to God. And so it's worth it. Anything that draws us closer to God is worth it. Often we've, we've taken time and we've, we've extended invitations to you on numerous occasions to, to come forward to, to pray. And I want you to know that when we do it, it's, it's out of a deep desire that everyone would draw closer to God. When we, when we come and, and we pray together, when we pray with each other, when, you know, Jim says, you know, Waylon will, will be up at, at the front to pray with people. You know, you know why I'm up there? Yeah, I'm up there to, to pray with people. <laughs> but the reality is, and I probably shouldn't say this in church, but I've got crap to deal with too. Probably need to ask for forgiveness for that, but that's okay. We all have stuff to deal with. And when I, when I come forward, I know I need to deal with stuff. And so I appreciate it when you all don't rush to the front. It gives me time to deal with the stuff going on in my own heart. But I also want to say to you, you've got stuff to deal with. And maybe it's hard for you to, to come forward. But so what if the person next to you looks at you a little funny for coming to the front? At least you didn't have to bring a bull into the church and offer it up. You know, this was the Old Testament practice. They brought a bull or they brought a lamb. Yeah, okay, it might be for a peace offering, but you know what everybody's thinking. What did this guy do? But the reality is, that person who's wondering what they did probably should be bringing a herd of his own. We all have stuff to deal with. Everyone this morning needs forgiveness. And if you think you don't, I encourage you to ask God if you have an issue with pride. We need to deal with our stuff. It's in front of others, but that's the point. We will never be the people God wants us to be if we cannot be humble in front of one another.
if we cannot trust one another, that their love for us is greater than their judging of us. Jesus died publicly. We can ask for forgiveness publicly too. In a moment, I'm going to invite the worship team to, to come forward to lead us in, in worship, but I'm also going to invite you, if you have anything to deal with, come. Spend some time at the foot of the cross. Confess your sins. I'm going to ask that the, the elders will be available as well, and, and Pastor Jim will be busy worshiping. But I'll be available, and, and we'll, you know, I'll come, and the, the elders can come and, and just place a hand on you. And if you don't need uh, us to, to pray with you, you can just not do anything, or you can shake your head that you're good. But if you do, you can talk with us. And we'd be happy to, to pray with you for whatever it is you need. But I encourage you, 